when feedback is that frequent that it almost becomes commentary, you shut off to it. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Bold Tackle. We are your hosts, Sophie Howard and Oliver Howard, and we are ready to tackle bold topics in sport, highlight the women's football industry, and speak about the unspoken. If you are ready to get an insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, join us on our journey and listen in to The Bold Tackle. And we are back with a new episode of our podcast, The Bold Tackle. Hi, Soph. Lovely to see you. Hi, Ollie. How are you? I'm really, really great. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks when I come over to visit you. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this topic, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I feel like that's something now. Last week, obviously, we spoke about something I'm really passionate about. And today, I think we're speaking about something you're really interested in um, uh, to get to know, I guess, the sport and how it's evolved. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember um, when you started off being professional, when you started off playing football for the senior team, um, training and preparation for games and training sessions and your personal physicality was totally different than it is today. So today I'd like to speak about how training and the preparation and so on has evolved over the last couple of years. Um I don't want to ask a super question of has have things changed over the last couple of years, but what does maybe your training and preparation look like today? Yeah, I think the the easiest way to describe it, I believe, is that it's not only a job, it's a lifestyle. It's a decision you make when you when you commit to, I guess, becoming a professional footballer because it is absolutely crucial that you create a space where you're away from football, but generally speaking, your whole life evolves around it. So you've seen both sides. We've spoken about this a lot um, in the past, how you and a lot of your teammates and your colleagues have been in a sport and seen it evolve to the professional status you are at now. And I think there's still a long way to go. But when you started off, things were different and you walked into the training room started going out on the pitch we talked about the the fat measurements you had in the past um when did things change for you when did you realize we are becoming more professional and when did it become this lifestyle because it wasn't always like that was it no it wasn't i think for me um one of the bigger changes was when I came back from the US and rejoined Hoffenheim. So I'd um, experienced a massive development within the club. Um, because you played for left. Hoffenheim before? Yeah, be, I left for three years when I went to the US uh, to get a degree and obviously play football as well. Um, and upon return, I, I realised how much had changed. Um, to be completely honest, I think it, at those stages still, but especially before that, we weren't taken seriously. So therefore, it was often managers that were interested in the job, were interested in managing football, managing a team, um, but it wasn't a life dedication. And that is completely different now. You spoke about not being taken seriously. By whom? Everyone involved, to be very honest. Uh, we were very much a side product um, to the men's side 
um, wherever I was at that point. Um, and that we are still on a journey to change that. Um, but I think we've come a long way. And I think I've mentioned that before in, in previous episodes. Um, we are very privileged at Leicester City, um, the way we are seen and the way we are recognised. Um, and I would say we are taken seriously, very much so. But that is not the case everywhere yet. And what were those changes when you came back to Hoffenheim? What were those changes that you realised, oh, wait a minute, this is becoming more professional? Um, I think the way training was set up, it was um, tailored to the game at the weekend, whereas before it was not so much tailored to the weekend. It was um, random drills that you probably learned throughout your coaching education and you just put them on for everyone to come and and play and train I think that was very frustrating because uh, I think for us to compete and we were their second Bundesliga so it's not like grassroots it is um, equivalent to championship level now um, in, in England here and our dedication our mindset was professional but we weren't giving it back I think and that was very frustrating those years but still then, you, you said your mindset was professional, but still then your lifestyle couldn't evolve around football um, because you still had that second job, as we've mentioned in the past. You still were going to university and having a second job because pay wasn't as it was today, as it is today. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a very big difference between England and Germany. Um, as you said, we were considered part-time Um my second spell at Hoffenheim, the um, the hours, the amount of hours we put in were definitely not part-time. But what we got out of it financially was very much part-time. Um, so therefore, we had to juggle um, a academic career um, and also a second job, potentially, and football. So my days look very different to what they look like now. We'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Um, when I was playing football, which is a couple of years back now, um, we were in 7th or 8th league and we had a physiotherapist who looked after us. He came once a week just to check here and there. If you could be bothered, you you could go uh, and he'd treat you. It wasn't... You didn't have to be there, but it was good if you did look after yourself a little bit. And that was 6th, 7th, 8th league that we had that. Um, did you have that at the times when you were in the second Bundesliga? And previous to that, maybe? In that sense, we were um, we were further than that. We did have a physio every day. Um, if I compare it to now, um, it's almost not comparable uh, because now we've got two to three physios there available just every day. You? We've got just for the women's side, yes, the, the first team women's side. Um, and a club doctor who is not there every day, but always available. Um, and we did not have that. Um, but even, say, activation prehab before we go out on the pitch didn't exist. It was up to you to get ready for the session. Interesting that you mentioned these two points because these were two I'm going to talk about. What is activation and what is prehab? They're basically, basically we merge them. Um, activation is to get you ready for the session ahead. It's something we can do in the gym to make sure um, physically and neurologically, I'd say, we're ready for the demands of the session. Um, prehab is more individually tailored 
Um, that's often dependent on previous injuries or generally injury history, um, where we add certain exercises, especially knowing potentially I have a weakness in this area. So I add a few exercises. I've got a smile on my face because I haven't told you I was going to be speaking about this. But do you remember when you were at Hoffenheim? And I think it was the first spell. I'm not 100% sure. But you did this really new thing where once a week you had Pilates. Yeah. Yeah, that was how, very, very how, new then. How old fashioned does that seem now? Having Pilates to get your movement um, and strengthen your body and how you get your physicality in the gym now. We'll talk about gym maybe a little bit as well. Could um, Just compare those two times for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that was the first sign of, yeah, women's, everyone involved in women's football in general realising that um, there was so much more than just the training on the pitch. Um, that was the first sign. Um, now it's almost um, a requirement that we've got all these things set up before we go out on the pitch. Um, so yeah, very, very different. Um, at that point, we didn't think too much about it. We kind of just did what we were told without understanding. Um, but yeah, actually, you're making me smile because I do remember the first time they they brought the woman in. I actually don't remember her name anymore. And it must have been our first spell because we lived together. So therefore, you you knew a lot what was going on at the club. And I probably was like, what is this? Yeah, but you were really excited about it as well and said oh we did this new thing and it was really exhausting it was a bit like yoga but um more strength involved and so on um so really really interesting times to and to also be involved in this whole development it, it must be um so much more mind-blowing uh, maybe we can talk about um the change in in youth teams maybe have insights into that as well but before we go there um we've spoken about um prehab activation physiotherapist um you go to the gym a lot um we've talked about nutrition previously can you give us all the different facets of training preparation you do yeah, I'll try and list them all. Um, there's a lot of them. But, Is it so long, um, the list? Yeah, I think it's never-ending. And it can become exhausting if you don't take control of it. I very much thrive of that because I really enjoy the idea of it's never-ending. There's always something else to do to improve. Um, but you mentioned nutrition, um, uh, strength and conditioning, obviously, the on the pitch is obviously still the the main main focus. The prehab, the rehab. If you're injured, the psychological work we do. Um, That's become uh, big off, over the last couple of years, hasn't it? Months, it has, maybe yeah. Because even. yeah, and I think there's a fine line when often people merge sports psychology and mental health together, and I think they're very separate. But one can't function without the other. Um, but that potentially could be another topic because I find that one very very interesting and important to tackle but um to continue the list um analysis and that is opposition analysis that is yourself that is the team that is before games that is after games that is training do they present or do they have video material you look at what does analysis look like uh depends what it is so if it's off the opposition um there's always a mm, I wouldn't know what to call it. It's kind of like a, a package presentation where we get the data um, connected with Eclipse, um, what our analysis team has found out, I guess, or analysed, 
um, backed up by clips so we can understand it. And that is typically one of the first things we do going into a new week. So we have that whole knowledge to then take onto the, the practice practice pitch. Um, and then on top of that, and for us, our biggest focus is always our game plan. And that, again, is the tactical stuff backed by clips. Um, typically, these clips come from training and they'll be later on in that week. So we get our game plan, we go out, we train it. Um, so the next your, day... So all your trainings are filmed as well? Yeah. Yeah. It goes as far as every single save, every single shot is analysed and tracked. Exciting. Um, so, yeah, very exciting. I think, again, I, I very much know that it's not the case at every club. But again, we are, I think... Um, leading the pack in that sense because our analysis department is second to none really I believe. This all seems quite interesting and as much as rehabilitation, prehab, activation all helps you to get into games, nutrition on top is I find can be really exhausting um, to either always eat the same or to eat the right things. Having analysis of that level on top of it does it ever hinder you in playing football? Because when you um, obviously know how a striker is going to act, you need to react and change your game slightly to defend him or her, in this case, better. Um, does it ever affect your game? Um, I think for me personally, only positively. Um I like studying my opposition. Some people don't like it at all. And I think we're very good at that in a sense of it is presented if you if you can't make any use of it because you're not good with taking in too much information, then you just leave it. Um, but if you're someone like myself, I guess, where you want all the information so you, you are prepared, uh, but you know how to filter it, then everything's available. I can even ask for clips on certain players um, just so I can prepare better. And that's what I do. That's what I've done for a very long time is study my opposition to know what I'm expecting come game day. Um, I think the biggest thing is what you do with all that information. If you let it, I guess, come to a point where it's too much information and you feel stuck because you don't know what part of the information to use, you're best off not using it because you want to be free when you play. I think if you've got the skill to filter it, and to use what you think is helpful for you, then I think it's um, incredi incredibly important to include that in your preparation. Do you think that analysis is the best development that could have happened for you as a as a sports person and for you as a football player in becoming better and making those 1% changes? Yes, definitely, especially in my early development days. And I'm speaking again about my second spell at Hoffenheim because that's when it first was included, not to the level and the extent that we have it now. But I remember sitting down with a coach after every single game and going through um, what I did well, but also what I needed to work on. And having the pictures, when you then go onto the pitch in the next week, you can see those pictures and you know exactly what to do. Um, so for me, I think it was an absolutely crucial part of my development. That feedback 
seems always seems quite important to you. I remember in the episode when we spoke about dad and the feedback he always did, or sometimes even the critical feedback he gave to you to to develop from that. Do you think that feedback is needed even more in junior teams? Um, or do you think you should hold back there and let the people in, or let the kids enjoy the football? Um, and also all of these changes that were made on your side, what is the most important maybe for junior teams, do you think? Um, so I'll first go to your feedback question. Um, I think feedback is very, very important, both at junior academy level and senior level. Um, as you said, sometimes it's, I guess, very direct feedback and you never want to hear when you've done something wrong. But that part of the feedback is the most important part. I think um, you have to learn to accept that feedback if you want to develop and grow. And now I'm going into the growth mindset. If if you're not willing to accept that feedback and hear that you need to improve, you won't develop. Because if you think you, you know best, you won't develop as a player or person in any area of life, I believe. Um, is... Is that the most important part to the development? I think it is a very big part. I think you have to find the balance because when feedback is that frequent that it almost becomes commentary, you shut off to it. I've been in a situation where there's so much feedback after every single pass that you get numb to that voice and then it's not feedback anymore, then it's commentary in my eyes. Um, also, I think very important in terms of feedback is the intention the intent of why we're giving feedback and obviously in a sports organization in any organization really but it should be to get better to grow not ever to down anyone or or call a person out to make them feel bad for me that is not feedback that is bullying um hopefully that doesn't exist um too much but it it definitely will um what was your second question what was the biggest part no what what's most important for junior players um, trying to develop um, obviously the feedback from family and coaches is very important but do you, there's, do you think there's an aspect that the uh, junior players or even the kids still in youth teams can concentrate on to take that next big step do you know I think it doesn't exist quite yet for me the most important thing would to have a mentor to have someone in our academy say that you are paired up with someone from the senior level that can help you that guides you through I don't want to say life like a mentoring program yes because for me there's so many questions younger players have but often you wouldn't ask your manager um especially if you can pair them up with like a similar position say I think that could be so so beneficial Speaking about this, I'll probably put this forward. Why um, don't you start it? I was just going to say, why don't we go out after this episode and we open up a mentoring program and you'll take one or two players out of the youth teams from Leicester who you will offer your mentorship to. And then on top of that, ask the players in the in the senior squad and see if they'll take one or two players on. The reason is because these ideas come from these discussions. So me having to now think about what I think is the most important thing, this is where I come up, came up with it. I hadn't thought about it previously. But for me, I was thinking, I was putting myself back in a situation where I was a youth player. And I think seeing someone that is living the life you want to lead, that is 
um, at the top level, that's your person you want to almost spend time with, ask questions, ask anything you could imagine. Um, if you see, if I see someone 100% recovering to make sure they're available again three days later when they have another game, that's what I'm going to go and do now because I know that's the right thing. Let's move on to the last topic and then we'll end this episode after that. But I remember going back to Hoffenheim again, uh, when you're training, um, you left after school or you left after university, you went to, to evening training. Most of the time you had uh, a training a day. How long do you spend at the football site now? When do you go? When do you come back? And how much time do you spend on the pitch and how much time do you spend um, it, on other topics and how much time do you actually have for yourself while you're on site? Okay, I th the answer is going to be quite long because I'm going to go back to Hoffenheim early days because my first spell, and this was second Bundesliga, yes, we went in, we had evening sessions. We I think we had four sessions a week. That was pretty, pretty much it. Second spell at Hoffenheim, I would say I had at least four evening sessions and at least two to three morning sessions, um, which was one gym. That's a big difference. It was only one gym session. And we then had the football now, which is obviously the the football cage that was very popular a couple of years ago. Still is probably, but it just came out um, probably 10 years ago, I'd say roughly, um, where you train your technical skills um, and so on. Anyways, um, Hoffenheim was one of the only clubs then that had that. So we had many, many sessions. So what I'm trying to say is the time commitment then was very, very high. And I've said it before, but in relation to what we got out of it. On top of that, uni work, unimaginable, but unimaginable now. Now how it is with me, I think I get to the training ground at nine o'clock roughly. I'm always early. That's just because I hate rushing. Um, and I leave the training ground at roughly half three, four o'clock. That is also because I do a lot of things after training, such as recovery or ex-treatment or whatnot. Um, so if you think about it, it's a nine to three, four um, job. When I get there, it, we have food together, which is obviously downtime. But then we have meetings, we have prehab, we have pitch session. Then we have extra other on the pitch. Then we go into the gym. Then you have recovery. Um, then you have potential unit meetings or individual analysis and potentially treatment. And then you go home. For me at home, I don't finish work in that sense because now it's time to reflect and now it's time to watch training back or um, watch the game back if it's, say, a Monday because we played the day before. Um, yeah. Do you, so, do you rewatch every game? Yeah, I rewatch every game, yeah. Not every game, multiple times. Um, every game at least once. Typically, I watch a whole game at once and then I'll watch my individual clubs again. Again, that's next level where everything is coded. So if I wanted to watch only build-up, I can watch all build-up clips. If I wanted to watch... All attacking corners, I don't have to watch the whole game. They're already clipped for me. They're already coded. I can watch all of them. Um, and I can watch all my individual clips as well. A very time-consuming job. I think you really need to love it to, to do it. 
But at the end of the day, I, I always think it's a high rewarding job because as we spoke about it, you love doing it. Um, it's your life. And how nice is it that we've seen this development and you are possible to go in this depth and this, get this much information to make those 1% changes? Yeah, exactly. I think it's amazing to see the growth. As you mentioned earlier, it's also, for me, very rewarding because I know where we started. Um, I think the fact that I started where I started or when I started and women's football was at that level then, um, that's why I've got the mentality of, yes, push boundaries, push every single day, never forget where you came from. Um, never forget why you started playing football. So final question, do you think there's anything missing? Um, something we are bringing in at the club and it's actually not football related but it's a life lifestyle coach because a lot of a lot of the times life outside of football has to be sorted for life life on the pitch to be good for you to perform you have to sort out life and um, often especially when you're younger and you probably don't have the resources or the tools or whatever um, life can be overwhelming if you're not getting the support and that is all facets again like insurances it's like I don't know finance it's like nutrition um, maybe also family consulting yeah we've got um, we've not that we've got that but we've got um, a welfare officer um, someone that is completely away from football any troubles worries even good parts of life you can share um, there are they're not a consultant. They're just there for you to make sure you're all right. And now we're talking about well-being and not performance, yeah. if that makes sense. But the well-being uh, improves performance. Without well-being, you won't perform, no. I can tell you. My excitement was uh, at the Rice Place, because I think it was a really, really interesting episode. And we've got a new idea with this mentorship program. So if people are interested, they should get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, Soph, for all those insights. It's been it's been really, real fun today. Um, not that the other times are not fun, but it was uh, <laughs> extra fun today. Uh, so thank you. You're very welcome. I think hopefully now everyone understands why we started this, because these discussions lead to our, I guess, good ideas. Um, they make, make us rumble. They make us think. Um, and again, it's all about growth and development, really. But thanks, sir for taking the time again and thanks for asking the good questions because without the good questions I wouldn't have the good answers <laughs> and thanks for everyone listening in and we'll see you next time bye everyone take care